Hey, Kendra, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about airplanes. Oh, me too. And I guess that's because we are here at the airport waiting on our flight back home after Learn Board 2017. That's right. And if we have background noise, we apologize. You'll probably hear them announcing flights and stuff in the background. So you'll know why you hear that. So before we headed to the airport today, Kendra and I went to two sessions. We'll highlight one of them just briefly and then talk in more detail about the second one. Uh, The first session we went to was about video conferencing with students. Is that true? (laughs) Okay. So it was supposed to be about that. That's what the title said. Y'all, this is hashtag real talk time. And there's no real... It wasn't good. The session wasn't very good. However, I took the time during that session to do my own research on video casting or not video casting video video conferencing yes video conferencing with students and I think Kendra and I were looking for a how-to or how we might translate this over to professional development with video casting and we were looking for maybe some protocols like this is a great activity you could do or here's a way that you can increase collaboration while using video casting or something along the lines of this has worked really well for teachers and the data says that they really benefited from doing X, Y, and Z. But that is not what we heard. Not even a little bit. So here are some things that we researched while we were sitting in there. And I think probably some of the best uses of video conferencing with students are things where you have, um, or situations where you have a math student, for example, who might be at one school who needs to be in a specific math class, like a geometry class or an algebra two class or something that the school doesn't offer and allowing students to use technology to connect into classrooms that are teaching the the correct content to be able to receive the instruction and information and get the seat time for a class if it's something that you don't currently offer at your school. Right. I think that is an, an immediate, really good use of this. I think I read a little bit about supporting homebound students as well so that they can really get the credits that they need in a way that works for whatever situation they're in. And there were some tips about what to do and not do as far as that goes. But I think it was things like when the, to have, to have protocols in your classroom or to have your, your classroom culture and climate set up to where when you are speaking with a student who is video conferencing with you, that you, uh, when the student who's on the video conference is talking, that nobody else in the room is. Because it's just so difficult when you have multiple people talking at once. And that was kind of uh, set up from the beginning. I think it was, I think, let's see, what am I trying to say? The article made a point of saying that, that you could have a great idea go wrong if you don't set that in motion with your whole class and have a discussion about why it's so important to take turns talking when you are doing video conferencing. Right, which I think ties into the work that a lot of teachers do in more traditional education settings. It's all about that culture that you build up and expectations and reiterating those things. And I think it's really important to think about how you have student buy-in. So are students involved in creating those expectations and are they expectations that they value? Because if they do, then they're probably very likely to do them. Yeah. So if I think back to my classroom, when students were out, I remember it just being so much work 
having to try and record or having to try and come up with some something for them to do to make up and it just wasn't as good of instruction as they could have had if they were there and I feel like if um, I could go back in time and set up video conferencing for my classroom and also record the video conference for students who might not be able to attend in real time that that would benefit me as a teacher in, in many ways including being able to share the information with the student but also giving me an opportunity to look back at what activities we had done in class and maybe thinking about how it worked and just, you know, they say like recording yourself as you're teaching is a really powerful tool for improving your own, own practices. And I think that if you are already in a situation where you're video conferencing with students, and then you can also just press the record button that teachers can probably grow in their practice by taking time to look back at whatever they recorded and see how it went. Right. And so that's what I really took away from that whole session when we were doing our own sort of learning plan or learning operation during that I was reading some articles about how that works in terms of coaching and it was funny right after we went well if I'm being honest right after we left that session early we went to go see the swivel vendors and if you don't know what swivel is it's a this basically a little robot that you attach an iPad or a, or a phone into and you wear a marker and so the the camera follows you around while you are working in your classroom or while your your kids are doing something. So then you can look at that video after the fact. And I was thinking that might be a really powerful way to coach teachers if you can build up a relationship where they feel comfortable enough to record themselves and then they can reflect on that experience and what they see in the video and then you can do the same thing and then you two could get together for a debrief or a reflective conversation. It's really nice to get different points of view and then you can sort of look at the footage because that's what really happened so we entered to win the swivel and i really hope one of us does <laughs> really really do that was that was cool you guys should check it out um another session that we went to which was maybe one of my favorite things for the whole conference was sitting with the ladies at crayola that's right and i before we sort of get into the specifics of this session the people at crayola at their vendor area did a really amazing job of not just trying to sell you stuff because like let's get serious it's Crayola so I mean we have tons of markers we have tons of crayons in schools they had on the half hour all three days that we were there really great sessions that dealt with instruction and things that teachers and coaches and other education people are facing and it was a nice way of blending creativity and reflection into the work that we want people doing that's absolutely right so we did several sessions with the Crayola ladies over the three days um full disclosure they were raffling off two pound crayons and you had to attend sessions in order to get one and so that's why I begged Kendra to come right and so session after session with me so I could win my daughter a crayon which I mean ends up happening and in the show notes we have a photo of the two of us with two pound crayons y'all these crayons are enormous they're amazing I was so glad so we didn't just stick around for the crayon I mean that that was sort of that was part of the draw but the ladies at the booth, they did such a good job. And like Kendra was saying, they were really focusing on how to incorporate creativity and reflection and making connections between things that you're trying to learn and things that you already know about. And they, you know, I'm not even totally sure they even said crayon in the first place. So that was interesting. They weren't trying to tell us anything. 
So the session we did today with the Crayola people, um, and shout out to Jennifer Laven, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. She was the person that worked with us. Um, she had a really great sounding background, and she, I don't know, she was really great to work with. She had a session, and honestly, it was nice because tying back to our episode from yesterday, it was very personalized to what Lacey and I were interested in because she gave us the paper and said, what are you two interested in? She said, I'll do anything you want. So we spent our half hour talking about adult learners and adult learning best practices, which was really nice. And I think, all right, so she started off with talking about misconceptions about adult learners and how uh, as adults we get into professional development and the presenters don't set up the sessions so that adults feel like they can just walk out and take care of business, whether that's using the restroom or calling home to make sure your kids are okay or whatever it is that we need to, one of the things that we need to not only recognize, but set up in our, our sessions is that adults are able to make those choices for themselves. Unlike you would trust a nine-year-old to do the same thing and that you can set your session up so that that's just part of the culture culture thank you that's just part of the culture and how by showing that respect to your adult learners you're already getting a little bit more engagement from them and because you're showing that you trust them so that was an interesting point and we kind of thought about how some of the sessions that we had been in today and other days over the past few days were not set up that way and it was kind of like oh yeah I, I see exactly what you're talking about there And so in our work with her, it was interesting because she brought up a lot of research about what works in adult education and sort of the similarities between adult learning and learning for for children and adolescents, which was nice. And since it was Crayola, there was a lot of focus on creativity and allowing people the space and the time and the support to be creative, but also, and this is something that Lacey and I really feel strongly about is Mm risk-taking so allowing people to feel like they can take risks whether it's you know creating something but then translating that into their classroom and making it so they feel like they can take a risk and do something better for their kids yeah and we did talk a while about how presenters can show or demonstrate that they um, are risk takers as well Or, or let me back up how administrators in buildings can cultivate this risk-taking culture by showing that they make mistakes or showing that they are also risk-takers, that if the administration and built in school buildings are willing to do that, then that helps the culture of the whole school altogether. Whereas the opposite is the teachers are unwilling to take risks because they're scared that there are going to be consequences for failure. Right. And I think, um, so Jennifer, the Crayola executive, pointed out that that's not just a principal-teacher relationship. Sometimes in some schools, it's even a teacher-teacher relationship where teachers are scared that their colleagues are going to be sort of calling them out or judging them for what's going on. And that must be a really hard place to, you know, operate in every single day being a teacher, having to worry that your colleagues are sort of judging you in a non-supportive way. So one takeaway idea that we learned from these Crayola people, and this, I guess, goes along the line with what I was talking about in the beginning about how allowing the teachers to get up and just go make a phone call or saying, hey, the bathrooms are over there. Don't, you don't even have to worry about asking. But 
allowing for student or allowing for teachers to be a cre- to allowing for teachers to be creative during professional development sessions and not worrying about whether or not they're paying attention and I feel like I'm a perfect example of this that I'm very much an auditory learner and I like to stay busy and I like to doodle or play a mindless game like Candy Crush on my phone while I'm listening to podcasts or while I'm also sitting in sessions and I know that when I am drawing and doodling it comes across to the presenter is I'm not paying attention but I guarantee you I'm way more engaged than if I were making eye contact with you as you were presenting because that's my glazed overlook. I, <laughs> I mean so she said and this is my takeaway she said you know lots of schools have butcher paper at them and you can just bring in a a few uh, markers or color pencils or crayons and something and just lay it out on the table like you might find in a kid's Italian restaurant or something and just let the teachers doodle and you'll find that they are engaged in their creativity and that they are making connections with what you're talking about uh, to the things that they are already aware of and by allowing them that space to be creative is not saying that they're not paying attention you're actually helping them find a space and a place to remember and make connections and and do some creative things that it's more helpful than saying anything else I think that's a really good point and I think it also serves a couple of different purposes during the course of the session so we were also talking with them about teachers sort of needing a reset and I know this was your big takeaway having that reset button at the Mm -hmm. beginning of a session so just being able to you know draw something or scribble or something it might be enough just to help them to let what happened in their classroom go and for some teachers that's it there's a lot to let go absolutely so we want them in a good place when they're coming to us so that they're ready to learn and the Crayola person brought up you know if you have students in your classroom that are hungry they really can't learn and if you have teachers that are stressed out or dealing with something from their classroom it's going to be really hard for them to learn so this might just be enough and it's a pretty simple passive thing that you can do but also it it might serve as a good brain break so if you're in one of these training sessions where it's you know an hour or two hours or three hours of learning that's way longer than anyone's brain can just keep learning for I mean you've got them for 30 or 40 minutes before they need a reset so if you're not building that in at least they can you know grab the marker or whatever and draw on the table yeah all right so say you set up your pd session to be that way to where it's like italian dinner style drawing on the table (laughs) then you can there's so many opportunities where you can say okay instead of let's do a think pair share you can just do a draw pair share or something like Give, give the teachers uh, reflection questions, and instead of saying, sit there and quietly think about it to yourself, have them draw it out. I, I like that. I was actually just thinking about having different words on the thing, on the screen, and asking them to sketch one out that, you know, they connect with or that describes their week or something, and using that to pair people up or create groups or... I don't know, any number of things. Like, it's just a more fun, less pressure, exciting way. That's right. And I think, okay, so when we talk about drawing, I think a lot of people are immediately like, well, we're going to come across people who say they can't draw and they're not going to want to do it. But I like the, um, I like Jennifer's idea of the table paper because I'm not going to present my drawing to the whole group. It's just there for me and maybe for the partner sitting right beside me who clearly knows that I'm not a drawer, right? (laughs) I don't have to announce my non-art skills in front of everybody. Right, and I think this is a good opportunity to really encourage growth mindset. So you might not think you can do this yet, 
But if you're in a relatively small group of three or four people, maybe you're willing to take that risk. And if they can take this tiny risk, maybe they can push that further in their classroom and take a bigger risk with with learning or with instruction or with engagement. That's right. Um, Jennifer Jennifer also mentioned the idea of graffiti walls. Yeah, true. As a brain break. So when you have your 10-minute bathroom break or, or whatever it is that you're doing, if you have this graffiti wall and you're like, all right, just take a break, relax, come color on the graffiti wall, that that might be another great way to just incorporate creativity and a brain break and like, you know. I like all these ideas. Right. I mean, the introvert in me does not like the idea of having to go and stand somewhere and do drawing or coloring or something. I feel like it's so much more controllable on the table, but I get that that would probably be great for other people. True. So the Crayola people did not mention any of their products at all, and they were not trying to sell us anything. But y'all. Um, but I, yeah, I think we want to talk about some oh. of the cool things we saw. So on the table, they had like just baskets full of these cr- Crayola products that I had never seen. So, I mean, I'm assuming there's stuff that y'all have not seen, but what was your favorite, Lacey? Uh, my favorite were the glass crayons. Oh, so, like, they are kind of waxy. They come right off with Windex and they look really nice. And I think the ones I were playing with were just your basic green, yellow, blue, black, and white, maybe red too. And they were just amazing because the Crayola people had this wall set up right behind me and they were like, You want a color? Go ahead. Color all over the wall. Yeah. And you know, (laughs) did did. you ever watch Sesame Street when you were little? Yes. Did you ever see, so they had little segments where people used to draw and like write numbers on the window with paint. Oh yeah. I was always obsessed with that. Yeah. So this was just like, I watched Lacey and it was, it glided on so easily and it didn't make a mess and it didn't smear all over the place. It was nice. Um, And then that's very similar to another one of their products, but I don't remember what they were called. They were like slip, slick. Slick, slick sticks. Pens, oh, yeah, slick sticks. You're right. And they were, I get, all right. So they were described to us as like lipstick. Also, delicious was a word. <laughs> they were just very, used. very creamy feeling. So it, when you yeah. would draw on the paper, it would just sort of glide all over the place. Right. It was like a melty candle. Oh, that's a good descriptor. Is it? Uh, yeah. It and really those, is. You just have to grab one and play with them. They were really cool. They were. Um, I think my favorite one was the glitter m- marker crayon glitter marker thing. thing. Oh, those were great. It was I like know. all the good stuff about, you know how, so I, I love glitter, but glitter is such a hot mess. And it, yep. once you start playing with glitter, it's, it's everywhere. Yep. And these were nice because you could draw and color with them. There was no glitter chunking off. There was no glue. Right. It and was they, just great. So on the paper, they looked like gel pen with glitter. Exactly. But they did not write or feel like that. Even th- that would be a good thing. But um, they felt more like marker. Right. But they looked like beautiful gel pen with glitter. Right. But it was still thick enough that you felt like you didn't have to spend 20 hours trying to color something in. Yes. So good job, Crayola. Yeah. The, I mean, they were great products. There was one other one that I wanted to highlight. Is it the watercolor pens? Yes. I knew or you would guess They're that. not pens, really. They're paint They're brushes. brushes. They're brush, pe- brush, pens. brush pens. So it was like a this slightly thicker handle bit, but there was watercolor marker business in it, and then it had a brush pen. So it almost felt like a watercolor brush, Yeah. but it didn't make a mess. And if you rubbed your finger through it right after you did it, it didn't smear and it wasn't on my fingers. That's true. So it would be a great way for kids to paint things without your house or your classroom being an absolute disaster. I would love to get my hands on any or all of these if if Crayola <laughs> listens to our podcast and wants to send it to us you can reach me at Techner Delby and I'm at te- 
talking teaching. <laughs> well, we might as well go ahead and end it right here. Uh, together, we are um, two tech coaches. And you can check out our website, twotechcoaches.com. You can find us on Twitter. And we have had a great time at Learning Forward 2017. We're looking forward to Learning Forward 2018. Yeah, it's in Texas next year. So if you uh, can make Yeehaw. a plan to go. That's right. Yeehaw. I've actually never been to Texas. What? Never. Well, next year. Let's That's go. right. All right, everybody. See you soon. Bye. Bye.